chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis, with your host, Dave Inman. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, keeping you, our listeners, on the pulse of what's happening in cannabis today. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have Elise Ash, president of Amazingly Baked. Elise, welcome to the show. Hi, Dave. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for coming out. I know it was a long trip to get out here. Uh, (laughs) We bumped into each other a few weeks back, and I really liked what you had to say, not only about Amazingly Baked, but also kind of your trajectory into cannabis. Before we get into that, let's talk about Amazingly Baked. So, So what is Amazingly Baked? Amazingly Baked is a business that I started as a way to fit myself and my talents into the cannabis industry. I took what I do well. I've been baking for a long time. Let's go there. And I thought, well, I saw a niche, and I knew that I could design baked goods that would help fill that niche, specifically gluten-free and now also sugar-free. So these, I would assume, are uh, are cannabis-infused edibles. You have kind of an interesting spin on these. You you have a a lot of targeted demographics with this. I've seen a few of your, your different designs that you have. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, when I was contemplating getting a card back earlier this year, I was exploring it at a dispensary, and they were leading me through it. They were very helpful, and they started saying, I said, well, look, I can't smoke the product because I have asthma. I said, and they said, okay, there's no problem. You could, you could use tinctures or you could eat the product. And I said, okay, and they showed me their edibles menu, and I said, oh, and by the way, I can't eat gluten and I can't eat sugar. And everybody just said, oh. Oh. And that's really the way it ended. I was like, oh, okay. So there was no answer for me. And there was no answer for a lot of other people who have to eat gluten-free. And certainly for people who have to eat sugar-free. So that's kind of how the idea came about. Now, you would uh, you would assume, you know, uh, obviously for medical purposes that, you know, companies would have the foresight to realize that there's, uh, you know, celiac disease, people that are gluten intolerant, and of course, the diabetics out there that, you know, they can't take the sugar. You would assume they would have already tackled that market, but what you found was they, they really had not filled that niche yet. No, they hadn't. People who, well, they thought they had, let me back up, because the candies, if you go into a dispensary, and let's say you can eat sugar, but you can't eat gluten, candies will work for you. So that's what they, you know, they put out there. But a lot of people who are doing this and designing edibles have never had to eat gluten-free, and it's not as large a market. They're not going to cater to it. It's funny, I remember hearing the first, you know, like gluten-free discussion, maybe about maybe about five years ago. And then the next thing you know, I, I would start seeing stores pop up. There's actually a gluten-free country store just down the road from my house. You know, it almost seems like it's probably a bigger demographic than a lot of people realize. Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, no one's ever been harmed by not eating wheat. I mean, it's people find that they actually don't even realize that they're going to feel so much better. We knew that gluten-free was getting more mainstream, to be honest with you, and being a little snarky about it, when you started seeing junk food. When you started seeing junk food gluten-free, then you knew it had hit the stores on a, <laughs> you know, a, a 
more mainstream level. And, you know, people who have to eat gluten-free generally can't eat those kind of foods anyway. You're saying that you literally have seen gluten-free junk food. (laughs) Absolutely. That just seems a a tad bit counterintuitive, you would think. But, you know, everybody's always looking for a new market, you know, or or to remain in that market, so to speak. So, you know, Amazingly Baked, you know, again, I've seen, you know, some of your designs and they're they're all absolutely wonderful. I'm sure that you're going to get a ton of traction in the marketplace with this very creative product. And and you, you also do a bit of tailoring for companies, correct? Absolutely. You know, as someone with severe food allergies, as I have, I've become very conscious of cross-contamination and that there are people out there that have to be there. It's life-threatening for them to eat certain foods. And so I've kind of gotten into a place where I can tailor what I'm doing. If someone needs something without nuts, well, then I can do that. If someone, I had a dispensary that found out what I did for, and they asked me, could you do a sugar-free chocolate? Because we have a number of veterans that are using cannabis that are also diabetic. And I said, I took it on as a challenge. And I said, sure, let's try that. And I did. And what was the response? Well, I have been working. It's a very new product. I've finally gotten a recipe down that was acceptable and worked, an ingredients list that absolutely works very well. I can even eat it, which is kind of cool because I can't eat sugar. What I'm working on now with it is just how do I keep it from melting? which is difficult. <laughs> it's like in Arizona, yeah, good luck with that. We so, are in the desert. That definitely mm-hmm. makes it a little tough to, to have non-melting chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's amazing that we actually have this market that we can actually get into that's, that's cannabis-friendly. I know hearing a lot of people, you know, out and about in my, my day-to-day, you know, they'll, they'll freak out because they're, they're not uh, getting what they would consider enough opportunity in, in the cannabis space. But I would challenge them with simply what you're doing as well. I mean, there are so many different opportunities in the cannabis space. Even if you don't have a million and a half dollars in your pocket, you can definitely enter this market from several different angles and promote yourself and, and, you know, carve out a a nice little niche. And of course, that's what you're doing there. And and we love to see things like this. So, you know, I I wanted to actually dive in, you know, a little bit more about you as well, Elise, and kind of how you got into cannabis, not only for medical reasons, but now as, as an entrepreneur. Well, it was kind of what really got me moving and it was pain. I've been a dancer all my life, an athlete all my life, and I started having severe problems with my feet and to the point where I was having a hard time walking. And that was kind of what launched me. I'm also allergic to many, many medications, and I'm down to very few medications that I can take. How long have you now uh, been a a cannabis consumer? Well, ironically enough, my medical cannabis card came on 420 of this year. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody thought it was pretty funny, but yeah, it did come on 420. I I wonder if AZDHS does that on purpose. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I don't know. All I know is I went to the mailbox on 420, and there it was. And I was like, wow, this is pretty funny. So that was, uh, that was how it came up. I would imagine that you've uh, you found relief through cannabis. I have. And that's the interesting thing, because to be honest with you, I'm not in this to get high. I'm in this for pain relief. And what I found that is having a body that doesn't work well with big pharma anymore. I was down to one pain relief medication that I could take. And we were concerned because if the pain got worse, that pain reliever wasn't going to touch it. 
what do I do if it gets worse? And that's how we started researching cannabis. And eventually that's what led me to getting a medical card. So now there's a few different schools of thought as far as the the pain relief. You know, I know some of the opponents of of medical or recreational use will say that there's no proven uh, benefit for pain relief. But that's absolutely incorrect. I mean, we see so many people with, you know, fibromyalgia, people with Crohn's, people with so many different debilitating conditions. Yet pain is one of those things that is the largest reason for, you know, a medical card, at least currently in Arizona. You know, when you look at just, you know, how many people uh, in the country have pain issues, I mean, I think it's one in, I believe one in 10 people have chronic pain. And so if you were to look at that in general, I mean, that would be, God, probably uh, at least 80, 90 million people in, in the country that suffer from chronic pain. So for you personally, you have found relief that you weren't getting from the pharmaceuticals. Absolutely. As I said, Big Pharma has pretty much failed me. I've tried a lot of things and I'm either allergic to them or they make me more ill than the original issue that I was using them for. Most of these meds, they'll cause colitis and other things like that. And anyone who's had that kind of thing, colitis is a life-altering situation where your life gets planned around colitis. It's awful. And I've had it and it's just you know, that was where medicine was taking me. And so I had to find some relief somewhere else. And cannabis has been working. You know, you got to love the side effects of the great pharmaceuticals that uh, our doctors give us. Elise, we got to take a quick break. When we get back, folks, Elise Ash, Amazingly Baked, State of Cannabis. We'll be right back with you, folks. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. MJWellness.com the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at KarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. 
Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob, only on CannabisRadio.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have Elise Ash, president of Amazingly Baked. We are talking about a few different things. You know, obviously, there's this wonderful little niche for the medical cannabis market. Obviously, something that uh, is more tailored for, you know, various conditions that a person might have, maybe... Uh, you know, the celiac disease, gluten-free, sugar-free, uh, you know, more healthful types of ways of consuming cannabis for medical use. And that's just a, an absolutely beautiful thing. And also, you know, we're talking about your trajectory into the cannabis market, which I always think is a very, very important thing to highlight because, you know, so often the cannabis consumer, the, the medical consumer, our voice can fall on deaf ears because, you know, in the back of people's minds, I always think, well, you're just a stoned hippie. You're just one of those Cheech and Chong people. So, Elise, what do you have to say to those people? Well, you know, Dave, I am, for the opponents, especially to medical marijuana, I am their worst nightmare. Because, you know, you've met me. I'm an overweight, middle-aged, minivan-driving white woman. I am married <laughs> to, <laughs> I'm married 22 years next week to my husband. I have Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I have two children still in the home who are 18 and 20. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. I'm an evangelical Christian. I am the antithesis of that person that many people have in mind is the, you know, typical cannabis user. So, you know, what do you do with that? It's really kind of kind of funny. I'm I'm utilizing that to reach a different market, a demographic closer to my own. Well, that's exactly what we need to have happen. You know, we need to make sure that there's people out there that understand that cannabis isn't a joke. You know, because we use cannabis doesn't mean that we're instantly funny. In fact, many of us aren't. <laughs> what it is is simply something that we choose to use instead of perhaps pharmaceuticals. Or, or maybe some of us just use it because it's kind of fun. You know, it's one of those things. And it's certainly not something that we should we should be penalized for doing. You know, I think that we're, we're getting to that end game. And you know, I say it a lot of times on the show that we're almost at that crux. And now we, we really need to soldier forth. We really need to really up the game. And we need to have people like you that are willing to go and speak in these uncomfortable conversations with people that absolutely just do not believe that cannabis is safe. We need to show them that it is. And it's people like you that are, are helping this movement and helping people to adopt a, a more thoughtful approach about cannabis. Obviously, you know, if you smoke it, that doesn't mean that you're going to run around and, and start chopping people's heads off. That just doesn't happen. It's not like the spice. It's not, you know, something horrific that occurs because you decided to imbibe in cannabis. And so that message coming from you just is, is one of those beautiful, resounding things that uh, I, I, I have to thank you for doing and encourage you to, of course, keep doing it. Well, thank you, David. I mean, I have a passion for public speaking. Any industry I get into, anything I get involved in, always ends up with me in front of 
groups of people. It's just my passion, and I love doing it. What I'm finding is that because I'm ever so much more than 20, I can reach a different demographic. I can say the same thing as maybe some of the 20-somethings are saying, but they'll hear it from me. So I'm finding that I'm really able to use my uniqueness in terms of my demographic as kind of something that will help other people that, wow, I've never had someone come up to me, you know, one-on-one where I've sat down with them that hasn't said thank you for explaining this to me in a way that I understand. It's absolutely empirical that, uh, you know, have a commonality with people when you're talking to them. Uh, you know, you've met my wife, of course, and mm-hmm. she, she puts on these events uh, in Sun City, which is basically the largest voting block in, in Arizona, basically a retirement town. You know, having a, for lack of a better term, gaggle of women that are just amazingly uh, spoken and versed and being able to enter into these these conversations with people that definitely need, you know, an option other than just simply another pharmaceutical merry-go-round for whatever it is that, that ails them. The more people that, you know, of course we have that, that can go out and make this message strong is how we win this fight. So tell me, Elise, what are your plans for public speaking and getting that message out to as many people as possible? Well, I am available to speak anywhere, anytime. I got the phone call. I spoke at the Capitol a few weeks ago when we presented that $40 million pretend check to the Arizona school system. I'm just going to keep doing whatever's needed of me in terms of speaking. It's just what I do. I love talking to people one-on-one, but I'm finding that the larger the group, the more I love that. I guess that's what I'm saying with that. So I'm going to go anywhere, wherever they need me to go, and I'm going to speak. Well, I'm sure that we're going to help keep that pipeline full the entire time. So <laughs> we'll have you on speed dial so we can make sure and, and you know have you resonate with as many people as we possibly can. So what's the future for you uh, as far as Amazingly Baked? What's, uh, what's next on the horizon for you? Aside from the, the chocolates, you know, are, you, are you looking to branch out into more states, different types of foods? What are you looking to do there? Well, that's a very good question, Dave, when I keep praying about and moving in whatever the direction I'm supposed to. You know, I've done technology startups in my professional career, and they were easier to do than operating an edibles business in the state of Arizona and the state of cannabis as it is now. What I'm looking for is a commercial cannabis kitchen so that I can produce a medicated product, and that's kind of the next thing. I'm also looking at the market to see what is next? A lot of people don't want a sugar-infused product. They want a savory product. So I'm constantly changing recipes to make them gluten-free. So that's kind of the direction right now I'm looking at. That's amazing that you're actually doing these types of things, you know, and I'd like to to dive in again, you know, about a topic that we had just kind of broached for a minute as far as opportunities that people have in in the cannabis space. You know, they're as limiting or as limitless as your imagination. You know, maybe not everybody will, will wind up with a dispensary, not right off the bat anyways. Maybe everybody won't have an opportunity to grow large amounts of cannabis, but that doesn't mean that you don't get to work with it. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have an opportunity to find a beautiful little niche that really uh, can be such a benefit to so many different people. So about a year in cannabis, did you ever think that you would find yourself as a medical cannabis patient? Oh, <laughs> you know, I, if you had asked me even eight months ago, 
And someone had said, you're going to be not only a cannabis user yourself, you will have a cannabis business, you will be an outspoken proponent of medical cannabis. I would have said you were nuts. I didn't even know we had a cannabis program eight months ago. To be honest with you, I, didn't, I, I truly didn't know. So I have, I dove in headfirst. I literally dove in headfirst. You know, that's the way this is. This has come about for me. Another thing that I'm looking to do also that I see as a as an issue here with with the edibles in general, I want to create a low dose product, something that's not going to make someone so high that they run and never use the product again. That's something also I'm seeing in the edibles industry that is needed. You know, that's actually something that I would I would definitely like to dive into uh, head on with, with you on that one. I'm a big proponent of titration, you know, finding the lowest effective dose for people. You know, not everybody is out there to get blasted. I mean, obviously, a person who uh, is just looking for relief isn't looking to necessarily be fogged if that's the case. So having a an opportunity to create either a low dose or or a very uh, quality dose, you know that's that's one of the biggest cruxes that I found to be an issue with medibles is is you know the consistency of of the the product itself from one to the next to the next. At least we got to take a quick break. I want to dive back into this topic when we get back. State of cannabis, Elise Ash, amazingly baked. Be right back. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have Elise Ash. So, Elise, we were just talking about something that I really wanted to get some of your feedback on, the consistency of medible to medible to medible. So what are you doing 
for yourself to to maintain a a quality, consistent product? Well, Dave, I have held myself back in terms of not launching a lot of the products because I am waiting for a consistent supply of the same brand of cannabis, the same flavor of cannabis, the same type of cannabis, so that there's consistency there. I am passionate about having a consistent product, a tested product, a reliable product. So that's where I'm going next is to get that source and get everything to line up and be the same. So every time you eat one of my da bombs, as they're called, then <laughs> they're going to be they're going to be the same. And that's absolutely 100% uh, hypercritical for consumers to have the same thing happen every time you try it. Maybe perhaps on the show, I'm pretty sure, uh, talked about my cookie experience. And, you know, I'm a 30-year cannabis consumer. I, you know, just a couple of years ago had just this little tiny uh, shortbread cookie that rendered me useless for 17 hours. I mean, it was, I don't want to say traumatic, but it was it was awe-inspiring. And, and, you know, when you get over-medicated like that, it's a very uncomfortable and pleasant situation. And, you know, it's important that we can make sure that uh, our, our consumers, our customers are, uh, you know, able to to know where the limit is, know where their dose really should be. Low-dose product, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, they're one of the biggest things that you, you hear out in the market is, well, this is just too strong. You know, the, the cannabis this day, these days are just too strong. I know that at some of the dispensaries now, they're they're actually going back to some of the older strains that don't have, you know, the, the 20% THC. They're hovering closer to like a 7 or 8%, you know, back like, you know, what it would have been in the, the 80s, 70s, you know, things like that. So that way they're not uh, getting to the, to the same degree of, you know, over-medicated, I would say. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's an interesting thing that we see that most people would just want the highest content possible and maybe titrate from that. But, you know, there are people that just kind of enjoy smoking. You know, they don't really want to get blasted, but they, they enjoy the, uh, the process, the ritual of, the flavors of. And, I, and you definitely you can't fault them because, you know, a lot of cannabis tastes really great. So, you know, having these, these lower dose offerings – you know, that just kind of expands that market back out and, and we're able to tailor to what our customers and our clients would like to see. And it's just an absolutely beautiful thing that we're actually getting to a point where we can see these various opportunities and these niches, these things that really help to make these communities and, and the cannabis movement itself a beautiful thing. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that got me, I was thinking about, I was raised in the television and movie industry in New York, and, you know, we've been marketed to all our lives as consumers that a a candy bar, for example, is a single serving, the whole thing. And then the edibles industry comes around and they say, no, you're going to eat one piece or you're going to cut that cookie into 10 pieces. Now, I don't know about you, but the only time I've ever eaten one cookie is when it was the last cookie. So Exactly. (laughs) And when you're dealing with people in an older demographic, especially if they get over high, you know, if they get really wasted, let's just use that word, one time, we're going to lose them. Because that's not what they're in it for. Now, not everybody, but, um, you know, you get someone very, very high, it's going to be a problem, and they're going to be afraid to use it again. So I'd rather have somebody have one product, one serving, be one serving, and then move on from there. If they need two, well, then next time they know they need two. 
And this helps people keep from overindulging. It's, it's a real problem in the edibles market that, I'm, that I'm, I want to fix. You know what I would love to see is actually having uh, a medible that you get, but it also, with the same, uh, you know, you, you also get a, uh, say you buy a cookie, right? And it's uh, four servings. Okay. And then you also get like five or six that are unmedicated. So you can still <laughs> eat some more of that cookie. I've always found that, uh, you know, after I've taken just a couple of bites, you know, it can taste so great. And I just want to dive into it some more. And I know better. <laughs> you know better. And, and that's the thing is that I'm, that's exactly what I'm designing. I'm designing, let's say, a set of four where you're going to have one of these Devons that's medicated, obviously well-marked, and then three that are not. Because it's entirely possible that you could have, well, one, you may want to eat the other three after you've had the first one, if we do our job correctly. But at the same time, you could have two people in a relationship where one needs the medication, but the other one just wants to enjoy a nice, fun baked good. So why Absolutely. not have a package clearly marked, obviously, that would do that. So that's one of the things that I'm looking to do is provide medicated and unmedicated because I do have both sides of my business. I do medicated products and unmedicated products. Obviously, the medicated only goes to users who have a medical card and it's, as I said, it's a difficult business to be in if you're not Absolutely. In, a, in a kitchen. It's amazing. You know, we're, I hate to say it, we're, we're about out of time, Elise. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't wait to see your products really out in the wild. And uh, I will definitely be uh, one of your customers. And thank you for joining us for this edition of The State of Cannabis. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Don't forget to like and comment. I'm your host, Dave Inman. We'll talk with you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.